But good morning, everybody. Who is clapping over here? Is that Chad? All right. <laughs> y'all doing good today? What a beautiful crowd. Thank you, Jesus. I know you all came expecting, and I can already feel the atmosphere of miracles. Amen. So many incredible things happening, and I see some beautiful new faces. So welcome to Faith Builders. Amen. Well, I am excited because I am uh, finishing up our series on the blessings of Jubilee or the promises of Jubilee. And this has been a fun series for me to revisit the Word of God. And my heart as your pastor is to help you find the revelation of freedom in Jesus. Amen. That's really my passion is that we find freedom in Christ Jesus and whatever it is we're struggling with. And so the Lord really put in my heart to teach you about Jubilee. And in the Old Testament, Jubilee was on every 50 years, the generation got a reset. All of their bills were paid. Somebody say amen. Debt wiped away. Restoration came back to them. Everything they were believing God for. It was an incredible time to be alive. And what I want to share with you, and we've talked about over the last couple weeks, is that because we're in Jesus, we live in Jubilee every day. How many are thankful that we don't have to wait for 49 years for the promises of God to come to pass, for the restoration, for your dreams and desires to come to pass. Every morning you wake up your beautiful eyes, you wake up to the precious promises in Christ Jesus, amen. And my desire is to activate your faith, get you excited, because how many know the world is screaming at us every day? Negativity, hopelessness, fear, whatever it is, but we have the answer in Christ Jesus. And so the area that I want to talk about, last week we talked about restoration, God giving us back those things. I uh, gave a prophetic word that God wants to fill the empty shelves. And if you haven't been praying that this week, I want to challenge you. Say, God, fill the empty shelves, whether it be emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever you found empty in your life, the Bible says there's nothing missing and nothing broken. Amen. And we can declare God to visit our life in miracles. So today I'm going to share with you through Jubilee that we live in of how to learn to rest. Everybody say rest. Rest almost seems like a word we shouldn't be preaching, right? Because when we come into Christ and we love God so much, you know what? We feel like we have to do so much for God to perform in our life. And I don't know why that human nature is. I guess because God gave us a drive to work and to work hard and have good integrity and character. But when we come into Christ Jesus, everything is already finished, your miracle is already on its way. Your breakthrough, your deliverance, your freedom, whatever it is, God has already done it. And listen, we have to understand that in the kingdom, there are times that we need to warfare. How many's ever been in that season? You know you have an assignment, you're fasting, you're praying, you're warfaring. But there are seasons that we need to discern when God says, sometimes I just need you to relax. I just need you to rest. I need you to let go. Somebody say, let go. I'm getting you guys involved with me today. Let go. And we're going to let God. Let's go. Let go of our kids. Let go of our fear. Let go of offenses. Let go of all these things that are trying to distract us. Right now, I believe the enemy wants to busy believers so much that we don't settle down long enough to hear what God is saying in this season. 
and the season looks like it's hopeless, but I'm telling you, for the church of Jesus Christ, it is time for miracles. It is time for breakthrough. It is time for the church to shine. And we are slowly arising from this dust of this world, and we are going to launch revival in America and I believe around the world because Christians are going to stand up and say, I'm not going to look to the world. I'm going to get my eyes back on Jesus, the author, the one who penned my life, and the one who knows how to finish it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And sometimes we need to understand the power of just resting in what happens. And I want to share that with you today. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to open up to verse 1. Now, in our past series, I've been talking about, remember, the children of Israel uh, came from slavery. God raised them up and said, I'm going to bring you to a land of promises. How many know God wants to fulfill your promises? And God was trying to bring those children of Israel, but they couldn't get out of their slavery mentality. And what did they do? They wandered in that wilderness until finally that generation never entered into the promised land. And so where I'm reading here in Hebrews, they had just, the author had just wrote about the failure of the wilderness wanderers. So he's saying they tried to do it in the works of their flesh, but Jesus is saying, I want to come and do it in a new way. It's not going to be by what you do. It's not about your performances or the works of the law, but it's going to come through grace, which empowers you to be an overcomer through the cross of Jesus Christ. So when you learn the grace of Jesus that gets you through, it's not about what you do because you can't do anything in the flesh. There's nothing you can do how hard you can work for the miracle that you need in your life. And you all have probably, I always say, we, we wrestle with God, don't we? We try to arm wrestle the will of God when in fact God knows exactly what he's doing, when he's doing it, and how he's doing it. Amen. And we have to put our trust and step into that grace. Because remember when Zerubbabel needed that mountain to come down? And he was shouting at it. And God said, wait a minute. Don't do it in the flesh. I need you to shout, grace, grace. And that mountain has to come down. Whatever's going on in your world and isn't happening and it's a mountain, let's quit fighting against it. Let's shout grace, grace. God, you get it. Amen. Anointing, you get it. Holy Spirit, sick them. I'm just kidding. You guys, lighten up. <laughs> we want the Holy Spirit to take care of it, right? We're going to let go. We're going to let God move in our behalf. And so now he's trying to say, I don't want you to labor, but I want to teach you to rest. I want you to rest in my finished works and what I'm saying in your life. So let's look at what the word of God has to say. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. So what do we see there? God is saying, I've given you a promise that you are going to enter into rest. But I think we need to look at this word promise first and really understand what that promise is. So when I looked it up in the, would have been the, Hebrew of it, um, the word translates this, epangelia, epangelia, and this is what the word promise that God has given over your life means. Number one, it means this, it tells what the promise from God is, and I think as Christ's followers and in this season that we've got to figure out what did God promise us, and there are some of us here this morning that maybe need to go back and revisit some of the words that God spoke over our lives, whether it's a year ago. Ten years ago, what has God promised you in your life? Has he promised something great for your marriage, over your children, over your finances, over a business? What is God saying in this season? I know this last week, I told first service, I had 
such a beautiful presence of God visit my office at my home yesterday. And you know, there's times where you're ready to go in the mat for Jesus. You're like, I'm showing up at church. I want to pray the house down. I can't wait to feel God's presence. And then, you know, I show up and I feel like I'm talking to the pillar. Like my prayer never gets higher than the ceiling, you know. And then there's times God's grace just shows up and he just loves on you. And he just encourages you. And so yesterday he did that for me. I was just sitting at my desk. I wasn't expecting much, just going over this teaching. And I just felt the presence of God come so strong and just begin to love me. And he gave me this message. He gave me rest. He caused me just to kind of rest. And when you rest, you can hear God. And we'll look at scriptures about that. But I just heard the Lord say, go back to your prophecy file. And I have a little folder that has been spoken over me since I was 20 years old. And suddenly, oh, so I went and got that folder. And, man, I just began to weep. And I saw God. Man, God, you fulfilled that promise. And, boy, you were so gracious in that season. And I saw the goodness of God. But as I read, I saw some things that God said that hasn't happened yet. And I said, you know what, God, I'm putting them right in front of me in the name of Jesus. You spoke it. You gave me the promise. I didn't ask for the promise. Amen. Now I'm declaring that what you said is going to come to pass in Jesus' name. We got to get the promise of God in front of us. And if you don't have one, I want to challenge you this week. Get before the Lord. What is God saying over your life? What is God saying over your ministry, over your family, over your children? God has much to say. But we're not slowing down to hear the voice of God. We're so busy trying to fix it. We're so busy trying to make things happen. We're, we're, that's how our nature is. And God is saying, uh-uh, I want you to slow down and I want you to rest. I need to give you a new plan. I need to give you a way of how to really approach this thing. See, the wisdom of God comes when we slow down and we can hear. Because there's too much noise, isn't there, in the world. Everywhere we go, there's too much distracting us. And God is saying, I need my church to slow down. So that they can hear what I'm trying to say. I, I forgot to share this story in first service, but I was uh, young in the Lord and I was kind of uh, toiling over some things I wanted from the Lord. I'm very passionate about God, so it's kind of my nature anyway to be so intense. I'm learning to relax with the Lord. And my mom uh, had a, a vision of me and she spoke this over my life. She said, I seen you, um, you woke up one morning and you had a desire to find a, a ladybug. And she said, you got up and you went all over town and you went to this part of town. And you looked in the bushes and the trees and all day you labored and labored and you just wanted to find a butterfly. And she said, I saw you get so tired. You just wanted this one thing. And uh, she said, I seen you go into this uh, meadow and you laid down on the grass. It was tall, beautiful green grass. And you just laid down and fell asleep. And she said, and when you woke up, there was thousands of ladybugs all over the grass. See, when we learn to rest, God will bring everything to you. But we're trying to go to the things that we desire. And God's like, that's not the way I'm working it. Rest, right? Relax in him and know that if he said it, he is going to do it. Amen. So the second part of promise is what? One, I got to get my word from God. If you don't have a word for God, you're not enacting faith and you're not seeing the miracles happen. We're going to put a word from God in front of us. Amen. The second part of that word means this. The thing, then, then it gives you the assurance that the thing promised will be done. So you're going to get your promise. And the rest of that word means that if God promised it, he's going to get it done. He's going to fulfill it. And we have to start there that our belief system and our trust is connected to what God said. Amen. Second uh, Corinthians says this, all the promises of God are, who knows, yes. All the promises of God are, yes. 
So if God said it, that means yes is attached to it. We don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know where, but God does. So my faith is connected to God's yes. It says that God's promises are yes. And then it goes on to say, in him, they are what? Amen. Promises of God are yes, and in him, so be it. So I'm going to take what I'm believing God for, that miracle that seems so far away. It is yes, I'm putting it in him, and I'm saying so be it. And when you have that so be it, you're letting it go, and now you can enter into the rest of God, and God can begin to allow the miracle to come your way. There's power in resting, isn't there? So let's go on. Let's see the scripture verse. So it says in 4.1, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. What is that? Your promise. Verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which was heard did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith with those who heard it. So listen, this morning I'm preaching about get your promise, right? No God has finished it. And now he's saying you've got to connect your faith to it. You've got to believe that what God said, he is going to fulfill it. And you may have to work out this faith. And the enemy, may, you're going to say, today I'm believing God. And then get a bad report tomorrow or something negative comes. But you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. You've got to keep focused on the promises and say, I don't care what the circumstance looks like. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And I don't understand the timing of God, but God knows. So I'm not going to lose my joy. I don't have to give up my peace because I've got my promise, amen. And I'm going to remain in faith until God manifests that miracle in my life. It's a good thing, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. So he goes, we need to mix it with faith. Now go down to verse 9. He says this, 9 and 10. Therefore, remain, wait, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. God is calling a rest to your life. A rest to your emotions. There's so much that torments in, in the world today, isn't there? There's so many things that we can be troubled and worried about. But God says, my promise is for you to find rest in life. And we'll talk about what that means for the people of God. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his so powerful. What God set the example. God worked, God worked, God worked. God did it every day, right? He said, let it be, let it be. And then he finally said, God rested. If God has to rest from what he set up in motion, then we have to learn to do what God did. We have to let go and let God You've got to give that situation to the Father, amen, and we've got to learn to rest. If you fasted about it, God's already moving. If you prayed about it, God heard your prayer, right? He says, my ear is not deaf that I can't hear you, nor is my eyes that I can't see you. There's nowhere you can go from the presence of God, so it's not based on how I feel, thank you, Jesus. I'm resting in that God has heard my prayer, amen, and he's going to move on my behalf. So there's a rest that I have to let go. Let's let go in this season, amen. Some of us just need to symbolize just waving goodbye to it. I'm giving my children to you, Jesus. I'm giving my crazy boss to you, God. I'm giving this dysfunctional relationship. Whatever it is that you're turmoiled about, let's let it go and give it to Jesus, amen. I want to read verse 3 uh, from Hebrews 4 in the NIV, which I thought was such a great translation to understand 
And it says, all who believe him, do you believe God today? All who believe him enter his rest. I feel like we need to enter his rest, don't we? Let's just enter through that door today. Let's choose when I leave here today that I am entering into that rest of God, knowing that he is moving on my behalf. So let's look quickly this morning, what does rest mean? Because if we don't understand rest, how can we really attain it? So let's look at the word rest. It means this, a calmly confident atmosphere in which God lives. Now let's just stop right there. We need God's presence to come into our life. Remember I talked about atmosphere carriers a few weeks ago, that we have to set the atmosphere that God is with me everywhere I go. I have the atmosphere in my mind and in my heart, and it's a calming. Why? Because I know God is on my side. I know God has heard my cry. God has promised me this. And because of that, I can be calm and I can have the joy of the Lord that is my strength. Amen. Learning to let go. And then it goes on to say, place where strife ceases. So when the enemy's biggest agenda right now is to create strife and division in the body of Christ. To create strife and division in America and in the world. Why? Because wherever there's division, there's control. So if the enemy can divide people and he can put strife in your marriage or strife with your kids or whatever it is, if he can divide, he can control the situation. And that's why we've got to recognize, I'm going to, the Bible says actually, I have this verse so good, uh, Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. That means I have to make an effort to choose rest when the enemy wants to come and pull me out of rest. The enemy would love to get you in worry. He would love to get you in fear. He would love to get you in anxiety and offense, offense and caught up in all of this stuff in the world. And you have to say, I am making a point. I am going to stay in the rest of God. Nothing is going to steal my joy. Nothing is going to steal my peace. Come on, somebody. Nothing is going to get me out of the rest of God because as I'm resting, God is moving. And when we get out of rest, we just put a halt on everything. You know why? Because we get in our emotions. We get in our flesh. We get distracted instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus. Fight, contend for the rest. Amen. Make every effort for that rest. All right. So then it goes on to say, right, strife ceases. It's also a place of fully enjoying unbroken relationship with him. You know, we get worried about stuff. Doesn't it really kind of separate us from God a little bit? Not that he ever leaves us and not that we don't stop loving him. But when we're so overwhelmed, we lose sight of who he is. We lose sight of the miracle power of God. We Listen, we lose sight of who we are in Christ. So all of a sudden, I don't feel worthy to step up to the plate. I don't feel spiritual enough to fight this battle. And the enemy steals my peace and he robs me of my blessing. Because I feel like I'm inadequate. But thank you, Jesus, I don't have to be adequate. Thank you, Jesus, I don't have to make it happen. He fights the battle for me, amen. All I have to do is receive the grace that he gave me and that surrounds me, that empowers me to get through this battle. God is so good. So what, I need to fight for that relationship in Christ Jesus. So let's look at a couple ways that we need to fight for our peace. Is this. Number one is a physical dimension. And this is so important because there are times that your physical body just needs to rest. 
I'm a runner. I'm a runner by nature. What I mean by runner, not like, you know, runner, but I, I like to be busy. I like to go and I, I love to just be busy and run. But there's times where God says, that season, you need to slow down. Your body needs a rest. Your mind needs a rest. There's times when you need to know when. You know, you can, I was, I'm a runner. I run with my friends. And then sometimes God will say, uh-uh, just me and you for a while. Because there's something I got to say in this season if you'll slow down. There's something that I want to share with you in this season. I want to warn you of something to come. I want to give you hope. I want to give you the answer. But if we're so busy with this physical body going and doing, we can never hear what God is trying to say. I said this song in first service. I don't remember if you know who it even was. But the song goes, slow down, baby, you're moving too fast. You got your hands in the air and your foot on the gas. You better slow down, baby, you're moving too fast. And, you know, we're just moving. Jesus, help me. Jesus, where is that miracle? And we're all anxious and we're moving so fast. And God's like, if you would just relax, if you would just let go, I will give you the answer. But we have to willingly take that foot off the gas, slow down just a little bit to hear what God is trying to say. Amen. We need a Sabbath with God. And, and again, now remember, the Sabbath is not a day on the Jewish calendar. They do celebrate it, but we're not with the law anymore. We're under grace. So what does that mean? Sabbath is every day. A rest is every day, every moment. You get that phone call, I have a Sabbath in Christ Jesus. Amen. You can declare that Sabbath whenever you feel tormented by God. So how do we, slow, how do we get this physical body, you know, to line up? Number one, I believe the most important thing is that you guard your home, that your home is your sanctuary. The world is busy, the world is distracting, the world is hopeless, but you have your home. And it should be that place that you safeguard to keep a place that is restful, that is peaceful. You should drive division out of your home. You should drive gossiping out of your home. You should drive dissension out of your home. Why? Because that's the only place that you can rest. And then what does the devil do? He fights for the home. I, I contend to keep peace in my house no matter what. When Quinny lived with me and the girls, we, did, we tried to contend to keep it out of the house. Why? Because I can't rest. And if we can't rest, we can't hear God. All I can hear is the contention. Amen. Deuteronomy, we find out two times in Scripture the importance of your home. Listen, if you're married, your spouse is, I mean, we got God number one, right? And then your spouse is important. How they're feeling, where they're at, the value of your spouse and, and making sure that is a priority, amen. If the house is in order, the church house can be in order. Come on, somebody. Right? So we have to contend to keep that rest in our marriages. And your children, that's so important to keep that together. But God is calling us to this season of rest in our life, of learning to let go. So how do we do that? We, oh, Deuteronomy, that's where I was at. Deuteronomy, it talks about in Deuteronomy in Psalms, he told them, he said, don't go home and murmur in your tent. Two times in scriptures. And as an um, unmarried person, I would think, well, wow, I should be able to talk to my spouse about things, right? That should be okay. And it is. But you have to discern when it went from a conversation that we need to figure out to a conversation of murmuring and complaining and gossip. So don't murmur in your tent. Why? Because what happens in your tent becomes contagious to everyone around you. There is someone listening. There is someone hearing. There is someone seeing. And it affects the morale of everyone that you are in touch with. 
That's why we got to contend. I'm not going to allow murmuring and complaining and strife and division. I believe God is giving the church a discernment in this season to recognize that ugly spirit. Why? Because it's trying to get us out of rest. Listen, the church, we have a mission. Faith builders, we have a mission. And that is to reach North Phoenix, for, North Phoenix with Jesus Christ. To win this neighborhood, to win this city, to see people saved, to see them filled with the Holy Spirit, to see children fulfill the call of God in their life, to see the, he the sick get healed, amen. We want to see the miracle signs and wonders of God. We don't have time to be distracted about the noisiness of the world and the noisiness of division, amen. We've got to stay in the rest of Jesus Christ and discern the moment of the kingdom of God. Because the church is rising, amen. So we've got to fight for that, contend for that. So how do I do that? we got to slow down. we got to prioritize. Maybe there's some things in your home that you've got to put them in a little better order. Maybe there's some things that you've got to figure out in your house and there's something that's screaming at you and you just can't rest. Prioritize it. Amen. Put it down. What is screaming the loudest? I'm going to begin to knock that out of the way so that I can have the peace of God, so that I can hear the voice of God. Do something for yourself, you know, do something to rest. Some of you uh, do a staycation, you know, or a craft or do something that slows you down, that regenerates you so that you can really hear what God is trying to say. I think if there was ever a time that Christians should take a sabbatical off social media. And I'm not telling you to do it. I would not do that. But if it's a troublesome and if it's a distraction and it's causing this noise and it's causing you to lose your peace, it's better just to shut it off. Sometimes we got to know when, amen. What's stealing my peace? What's stealing my joy? I'm pushing it away because I'm going to contend for peace right now, amen. And whatever that is, or maybe turning our phone off at 6 o'clock at night and maybe giving at least a two-hour window and saying, my family is important, my marriage is important, this Facebook can wait, thank you, Jesus. You'll get caught up the next time you get on, amen. But I guarantee you, what does the devil do? You'll, do? you'll open up that social media and bam, there's something right there to steal your joy. Has that ever happened to anybody? I know it has. We've all been on social media. Maybe we need to say no to that. I'm just going to contend for the peace of God in my family and in my life, and I'm going to focus on the kingdom of God in my life, amen. That's what God is saying. So in Mark 2, 23, in the uh, NLT version, it says this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. What does that mean? I have the Sabbath as an opportunity to step into peace. I don't have to work. Listen, I don't have to work to find peace. Right? God didn't make me to have to do all these things to find the rest. No, I have rest and I get to step into it. That's the difference from the law. Listen, you don't have to do the works that we want to do so desperately to find peace. No, Sabbath is here, I step into it. That's grace and mercy, amen. We can never fulfill the law. The Bible says if you try to fulfill one, you have to fulfill it all. How can we do the law? We can never do it. But I can attain it through grace and the mercy of Jesus. It says this in Psalms 90, verse 12. I love this. It says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Do you know that we have a limited amount of time in this beautiful world that God has gave us. And we all are so busy about all the distractions and, and all the noisiness. And God says, I've given you a time to live a life. I want you to number those days. Let's put them in order. Why? Because the rest of the verse goes on to say that you may experience a heart-filled a heart full of wisdom. 
I want you to see that. God says, count your days, put them in order. Why? Because I'm going to fill your heart with wisdom. What gets you out of a situation? Wisdom. Not our own thinking. God, what are you saying? I know I have a lot of ideas that can come to me. I'm a, I'm a visionary. I have a lot of ideas. But I don't really get my God idea until I slow down and enter his rest. And then all of a sudden, here's the Lord. I'll be just walking on the street. God will speak. God will speak. Why? Because the wisdom of God is trying to visit you. Amen. When you're counting, I don't have time for this garbage. I don't have time for all the noisiness of the world. Amen. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. So let's look at the second thing. My body needs a physical rest. And the importance, too, of rest, let me just sit here for a minute, is we're so busy running that we're physically exhausted and we're mentally exhausted. And I know countless pastors, and one just happened a couple weeks ago, these men of God and women of God, they work so hard for the kingdom and they don't know when to rest. And we, sh we take on the burden and, and the care of the families and their children and the church, and it's so big that they never were given permission to rest. And we've seen more suicides in pastors than we've ever seen before. And we need to have courage to say, enough. I need to rest, and that's okay. There's not weakness in resting. There's not weakness in taking a sabbatical. My good friend, um, she pastors in Chandler, wonderful, amazing church. And her son, who is young, um, he just has been overburdened, and he took a three-month sabbatical. He knew, and I'm like, I'm so proud of him to take that time. we got to know when our body literally needs to just experience God. And then God rejuvenates us. God brings us back to life. He gives us our dreams back together, and then we can fulfill mission. Amen. But we can't do it if we don't have a, a peaceful heart and a peaceful mind. We'll persevere, but we won't be healthy in perseverance. And then what happens is we hurt people, and we continue to hurt ourselves because we never knew when to just rest. I went through a situation a few years ago. God, it's been a lot of years ago now. But uh, I, I took three months. I wish I had taken a year. I wish somebody would have said, it's okay, take a year. Take a year. I could have come back so much stronger. And I came back strong, but I could have come so much stronger if I could have just given permission to just rest. Amen. Allow yourself to rest. All right, number two, you have to have spiritual and mental um, health dimensions. God wants to give you spiritual and mental wealth, health. What does that mean? In Romans 3, verses 27 through 28, and we're rounding the corner here this morning because we have a picnic to go to, amen. It's going to be so much fun. But Romans 3, 27 says this. This is to free you up. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? What's the next word? No. Is there anything you can do to be accepted by God? No. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love and affection. You know, you, because you love God, you worship him out of that love. You don't worship him to get his love. That's the freedom. When you, you, you love God, you love the word of God, but I'm not reading God's word because it's a law that I, I got to read God's word, right? I got to get in the Bible in order for God to speak to me. No, I get to get in the word of God because I've learned the grace and love of God. It's different. It takes the law and the legalism out of it, and it puts the relationship with Jesus in my life, which is freely given. 
right? When I was, I don't know if I shared this first service or second, I get them blended sometimes. But when I first got saved, I was so in love with Jesus. And I mean, I was in my Bible and I was in um, worship and I talked to God. I had my journals. I just loved him so much. And then a day would go by and I missed my Bible. And I'd be so beat up. And then another day, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I had this condemnation relationship. The word that was supposed to set me free with liberty was binding me up in legalism. And I didn't understand it, that God isn't looking for performance. He's looking for relationship. And when you know that he loves me no matter what, and all my ugliness, all my shame, all my mistakes, people's opinions of me, it doesn't matter because I know he loves me. And when I know he loves me, then I'm drawn to the word to know more about him. I'm drawn to the word to know more about myself. Now I love the word of God. And I remember I was just worshiping one night. And uh, the Lord just gave me a scripture verse. He said, a thousand years is a day unto me, and a day is as a thousand years. And God showed me that it, he's not in our 24-7. He's not in our sunrise, sunset. God says, I'm a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He sees the journey. He wrote a book about you. It doesn't matter about that moment. Are you serving Jesus? Are you desiring the will of God? Are you walking with him as best as you can? Then God sees you and highlights you on that walk. And it broke all that condemnation that if I miss a 24-hour that I don't get in the word of God, I'm okay. And I have God's grace and mercy in my life, amen. And now I'm freely in this beautiful relationship with God, not based on works but based on freedom. And when you understand that, you do things from, from acceptance, not for acceptance. This revelation, if you will truly get it in your spirit, will take you so deep in the kingdom of God. Because it's not based on what I do. Now I'm in Christ and God begins to speak to me and he begins to deal with my junk and he begins to convict me. That does come. But when you have that revelation that it's by grace, I'm doing it from acceptance. God, I can worship you today anyway. And I just had a horrible fight with my husband on the way to church. And it's okay. I can worship you today, and I made this mistake, and I feel like a failure, but I'm worshiping you because you love me anyway. But I'm not coming to Lord, Lord, receive me, God. Lord, forgive me, God. They don't come to him looking for acceptance. You're already accepted. You're accepted in the beloved, and he loves you no matter what. Amen. Isn't that a better stance to take? I don't have to do something to please God. I'm already pleasing to him. I don't have to do something to be worthy. I'm already worthy. The moment I gave my life to Jesus, I became worthy of every precious promise of the word of God. I became worthy of God's forgiveness, worthy of my future, worthy of promotion, worthy of favor, worthy of this calling. Not based on me, but what God says about me. And when you get that, I'm telling you, you'll be a believer that will take what the word of God says and you'll be in a different place than you are today, one year from now. You'll be shocked at the blessings that God has overflowed in your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to look at uh, Romans 13.10 really quick. And it says this. Love does no harm to your neighbor. Now, I want to just sit there for a minute. Because I believe as the body of Christ, we've got to get back to loving people. Loving, let me say it this way, each other. Loving each other. It says, love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Someone sitting in this blue chair this morning. Somebody that came to first service is your neighbor. God has called us to love 
one another. And what does love do? No matter what strife and division and garbage is out there, I'm going to stay in love because I'm going to stay in rest. The moment there's disgruntles and there's all this garbage happening and all this uprising, that is not a position of rest. And you cannot hear God when you are in the center of all that mess. So you have to say, I'm going to love them no matter what they do to me. I'm going to love them no matter what they say about me. Why? Because I need to stay in rest. Jesus said I have to love. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Amen. That means I'm going to be sensitive to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm going to be mindful of them. Right. I'm going to maybe be careful Things I post on social media, maybe I should put it through the filter of love instead of the filter of offense and accusation. Why? Because that's my brother and sister in the Lord, and I love you. Amen? Love does no harm to my neighbors. We need to be mindful of that. And it goes on to say uh, after that in verse 10, what happens? Love fulfills the law. So when you walk in love and you know the love of God, it fulfills the law of God in your life. Now listen, it goes on to say, this is the second part of where um, God is taking love in John 14, 15. He said, now if you love me, now that you're in this grace relationship, you've come into Jesus, you understand that you're saved by faith, you understand that you're resting in the promises of God. He goes on to say, if you love me, you will obey me. So now we come to this relationship with God, right, where now God begins to come in and I can't put on you the law. I can't put on you what I think you should or shouldn't be doing. That would be the law that you can't fulfill, right, because whatever God's convicting me of in my moment of relationship may not be where you're at. So if I try to put on you, well, you shouldn't be doing that. No, that puts the law on you. And all of a sudden you're backed in a corner and anybody that's told what to do is going to come out fighting, right? Especially my Italian nature, I'm, like, I'm going to come out fighting. There's this resistance, don't tell me what to do. That was like a, a statement in our house all the time. Don't tell me what to do, right? Because our, our, our human nature doesn't want to be told what to do. But I'll respond to the Holy Spirit. I'll respond to the, the anointing of God. The same anointing that drew you to repentance, guess what, can draw somebody else to repentance. Amen. And that's where we put our faith and trust in God, that we have to allow people, right, the conviction of God now to come into your life and my life. We have an accountability once we're in grace. Once he starts convicting us, we can't say, well, I'm in grace. Hallelujah. No. When the Holy Spirit comes in conviction, we need to repent of that thing and we need to move beyond it. Amen. And then God will come along. He's still cleaning me up. I've been serving him for how long? 32 years. And he's still doing stuff. inside. And I'm so thankful for it. God's constantly growing me. God's stretching me. God's enlarging my capacity. I don't think we'll ever be done until Jesus comes back again and we're perfected in heaven. Amen. And I want that. I don't want to be at a place in my life where this is it. How boring. I want God to continue to grow me and stretch me and, and allow my faith to be enhanced in my life. And God wants that for you too. Amen. All right. Let's close with this really quick. God wants to free you from sin and shame. The things of our past. And I want to keep this in here because there are so many new Christians in here that feel bound still to the shame and the guilt of our past. And my dad taught me such a great, I was raised in a Christian home and I'm so thankful. But my dad was a first generation Christian. And he, when he got saved, he was raised in dysfunction. He was raised uh, just a lot of mess. And when he came to Christ, he really got born again. But the devil kept saying to him, you're still going to hell. You gave your life to Jesus, but you're still going to hell. 
and was still throwing his past in his face and making him feel condemned. And so one day he decided, you know what, I'm going to, what did that scripture verse say? I'm going to make an effort to be done with this. I'm being intentional. And he wrote on a piece of paper uh, uh, the thing that, that thing the devil was saying to him, and he put it on a stake, literally on a stake, not a meat stake, but, you know, a stake that you put in the ground. And he went in the backyard, and he put that stake, and he nailed it in the ground. And he said, you are no longer a part of me. Condemnation, you don't owe me anymore. But guess what? He had to go visit the stake a couple times because the devil don't want to give up. He wants to know, are you serious? And he'd go to that stake again. He said, no, devil, you don't have me. I'm free in Christ Jesus, right? I've been forgiven. And one day, he never had to go back to that stake again. He found the rest of his salvation. He found peace in Jesus that when he was going to take his last breath here on earth, he he was going to send, he will ascend into the glory of heaven. You know, and I've done that over the course of the years. And I, I, I didn't put a stake in the ground, but I, I tell you, the devil was just coming at me. How many know the devil hates you when you're pursuing the kingdom of God? And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over this stuff. So I took a piece of paper and I began to write down everything the devil was just aiming at me. I'm, I'm taking this serious. And I went out on my grill and I just started worshiping God. And I can't sing untuned for nothing. But I was just worshiping God. I'm like, God, I'm giving this to you. And, I'll, and when I was done, I was intentional about it and I put it in that grill and I set it on fire. And I said, no longer. I'm not going to lose my peace. I'm not going to lose my joy. I'm not going to be focused on the things of this world. I am focused on kingdom. I am focused on winning this city to Jesus Christ. I am focused on the harvest. Amen. We're going to see the wonders of God. But if the devil can distract you, you'll never stay focused on the assignment of God. Some of us need to burn some things, whether naturally, I don't care, whatever you got to do. Put him, you know, whatever you want to do, I don't care. Put him in a balloon. Heal him, I don't care what you do. It's time to let it go. Let it go, the things that are stealing our joy, stealing our peace, stealing our hope. Let it go, amen. And let's put God back in the center. Let's get our rest. Let's sleep good tonight. Let's sleep good tonight, amen. And let's see the enemy put under our feet and see the goodness of God. That's why I'm so passionate about this message right now. Stay focused. There are great things coming in the church of Jesus Christ. The church is arising like the phoenix. It is coming out of the ashes. And it is going to give glory to God. I'm telling you this. The church is going to arise. There's a great revival coming around the world. And we are going to be a part of it. We are a part of it in this church. So all I have to say is get ready. Get ready get ready. If we can get your faith, if we can get your focus, we will have an expectancy. Then God will give us the harvest because we will be ready for the harvest. How many want the harvest? How many is ready for the miracles? How many is ready to do church for Jesus? Amen. Let's close our eyes. Father God, I thank you today that, Lord, they are taking territory. I feel it in the spirit. God, they are taking territory that belongs to them. Lord, we are going to push back the distractions and the lies and the agendas of the enemy. And we say no more in Jesus' name. You leave my house. You leave my marriage. You leave my children. In the name of Jesus, we are contending for the rest of Jesus Christ in our life, Father God. We're going to walk out today with our joyful, our hopeful, Father God. We're going to have our eyes upon you, Jesus. And God, I pray right now that you stir up faith in this room. What is your promise from God? God is saying, what is your promise? Now connect your faith to what God has said. And Lord, I release your supernatural freedom in Jesus' name. 
Give them joy and hope, Father God, that only you can give. We receive this city that you have called us to take, God. We receive North Phoenix as the mission, Lord, that the harvest is ripe and we call forth the laborers. We will be the laborers. We will stay focused on our assignment, Father God. I thank you, Jesus, that you are bringing them in from the north, south, east, and west. The winds of revival are blowing through this North Phoenix Valley, Father God, and we just decree it in Jesus' name. We decree the healing power of God to manifest in our lives, through our lives, and at this altar. Holy Spirit, this is your church. Holy Spirit, this is your assignment. And I thank you the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Woo, God, we thank you that your assignment is strong, but we are ready. We are ready to do what you've called us to do. You need to make things right with Jesus. Just make things right in your heart. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me of distractions, of things that are busying my mind. And I'm letting it go. I'm letting them go. And I am contending for your rest. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a great big praise this morning. You have victory today. You took new territory, and I feel it in the spirit. Amen. I love you all so much. God bless you. I'm going to give it over to...